Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have Wally Iliaberry, and he is a legend in the mortgage space. He's been in the business for a very long time. I think he said 25 years, but I can't remember. So I'm going to go with that. His team closes 200 million per year, about 200 million per year. He has a best-selling book. He's got all kinds of cool stuff going on. You know what? I'm just going to let him introduce yourself. Welcome to the show, Wally. Hey, brother, man. Super excited. Feel very fortunate that you're allowing me on your show. It's Loans on Demand is pretty awesome. Definitely a follower. So Thanks, man. first and foremost, I am a husband, married, gone on 19 years now. I'm a father nice. of two boys. Brayden is 18. We call him Brayden the Brave. And Alexander is 16. We call him Alexander the Great. And uh, there's two awesome boys, man. And doing this little game called Mortgage back in 1999. Started off in 99 and the first probably, I don't know, 15 years of my career is probably not too impressive. But 10 years ago, I was doing about 36 million a year. And now the team does over 200 million a year. And Hmm. I wrote a book called 24-7 Mindset. So the 24-7 Mindset, it became a Amazon bestseller, Barnes & Noble bestseller, Super cool, so totally shocking, became a Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It was top five in Wall Street Journal. It was pretty awesome. They sent me an awesome epic plaque the other day. The book's really taken off. And what was super cool about it is the book, The Whole 24-7 Mindset, has kind of been my last 10 years in business. You know, most loan officers, they feel like they try to make a million dollars a year. They've got to work 24 hours a day, seven days right. a week. But 24-7 Mindset, the book, is about, hey, how do you build a mortgage business that pays you 24 hours a day, seven days a week? However, you only have to work in it 24 hours a week, seven months a year. And that's kind of what I wanted to share about today. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, I know you guys sent over some stuff. And I saw you take a bunch of vacation every single year. So I do want to talk about that. But before we get to that, I do want to learn a little bit about that journey, right? You said, hey, 15 years wasn't super impressive, right? Talk about that journey a little bit, because maybe there's people just starting now that are listening or, you know, maybe they've been in the industry for a little bit. They just haven't seen massive success. So, like, talk about that journey. Like, I'm a sucker for the come up story, right? you know, as an entrepreneur myself. Yeah, I, mean, I think this uh, first 15 years is before I started hiring a coach. And one of the biggest mm-hmm. things that I prided myself on being the hardest working person in the room. And don't get me wrong, like hard work is really important. Work ethic is really important. But that's not really what it's going to take for you to succeed at a level that you've got a quality of life in a really big business. Sure. So the first probably 15 years of my career, I focused on doing the best that I can. I work more hours than anyone out there, period. The last 10 years of my career, I have focused on doing it the best way it can be done. And that's what 2013 to me was. It was a big shift because a coach that I hired said, hey, well, you got to learn how to work smarter, not harder. And he caught me on a bad day. And I just smarted off back. I'm like, dude, if I knew how to work smarter, harder, I would. And he goes, you do. You just don't know how to implement. I'm like, what do you mean? And his response was, you've got to stop doing what you do is best and start doing it the best way it can be done. Start doing Mm -hmm. it the best way it can be done. 
And that's when you learn to be focused on efficiency. Hmm. More efficient you are, more effective you are. Sure. And before I was less effective because yes, I might work 15 hour days and might make a hundred grand in a month, which is fine. But that 15 hour days, like the first five hours of that 15 hour day, I was like, awesome. The second half, eh, by that third five hours left in that 15 hour day, I was like pathetic. Right. Making mistakes right and left and wasn't right. as creative. It wasn't as cranky. Didn't care about conversion. I just wanted to get home. Right. Then you learn to like, you know, my boys had a situation that happened that I'm very happy that it happened, but I'm not very proud that it happened. But for me, it was 2013. I just come off the sales mastery stage. Every, you know, standing ovation, all these awards from Todd Duncan and all these great speakers. And, you know, it was in the green room back there with Darren Hardy and, you know, mm. it was Brian Buffini and it was this awesome level high, right? And I get home and we're going on a family vacation to Disneyland and I'm walking out of the front foyer. My five-year-old son back then, Alexander, is standing in the front foyer. Alex says, oh, dad, you're coming with us? Like, how pathetic was that? My five-year-old son was so surprised that I was coming on a family vacation with our family because I missed more dinners than I ever made. I missed more weekly activities with them than I ever made. I'd make the games on the weekends, but every practice I missed during the week. And the point being of that is like, I was a fraud. I was a phony on these sales master stages and all this stuff and winning the Lifetime Achievement Award and all these accolades of being this great big time producer, multi-million dollar income, but I was an absent father and I was an absent husband. Why am I doing it all? Sure. So the journey started for me in 2013 and that's what I laserly focused on. How do I do it the best way and be done? I built a team, built systems, built models, built leverage. And the book, 24-7 Mindset, walks you through my last 10 years of how I built that. And then now that's why we rolled out the Academy, which is the Client Concierge Academy and also the Six Lane Highway Academy, which is part of the book. Man, I love it. That's super important because I think the culture within not just the mortgage space, I was going to say the mortgage space, but not just the mortgage, the entrepreneurship space is that like the hustle is what brings you value. And I think there's times for that. I mean, when you're just getting started, yeah. unfortunately, you kind of do have to sacrifice a little bit. But like, you almost have to put a time, is it six months? Is it a year? Like, you yeah. can't do this to infinity because what most people do is when they get started is you hustle, 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 and you never get out of that hustle stage, right? And I don't remember who it was had on this, but they were talking about this concept of like, most people never get out of that hustler stage and move into like entrepreneur, then CEO, and then like king or whatever. I don't remember where that came from, but it was just interesting concept. And so you learned it the hard way, ultimately. And interestingly enough, there was a point in 2020 when I was talking to my wife and I says, I'm doing this for you. And she's like, you haven't even been here. I was like, oof. Uh, you know, it's a similar story, right? It's like, yeah, yeah I'm doing ouch. this for the family, like, but losing them in the process, right? It's like, okay, well, yeah. like, what's the point? My wife used to call herself a work oh, widow. Man. It's just like, it hurts to even say those stories now, but sure. I'm so happy that she stood up to me and she was making it very clear. Like, mm. I want you home. Like, there's no point in making all this money and all these awards and all these accolades if she's got to be a work widow. Right, right. So when you talk about vacations now, I mean, like my birthday is in November every year. So we sit down and we map out in the November when our upcoming vacations are as a family. Every year for the last 10 years, we've taken 10 weeks of vacation together as a family and our kids pick where we're going. So in November, for say November of 2023, for 2024, our kids picked where all our vacations are going. We're going to Dubai, we're going back to Ireland and 10 weeks of family vacation. Then Nikki and I, my wife and I, we take five weeks of family vacation. She gets wow. to pick where we're going to go. I'm sorry, five weeks of husband and wife vacation. Sure. And an additional five weeks, I usually go on golf trips. 
So that's my enjoyment or, you know, boys golf trips. And it's a minimum of 20 weeks a year. And if you take 20 weeks a year vacation, then there's really only seven months left in the year to work. And that's where the seven part of 24 seven comes from. Now, the other side of the coin is I golf already three, four times a week. So if I golf three, four times a week, how many hours in the week are still left to work? 24. So I work 24 hours a week because I golf three, four times a week. And I only work seven months a year because I'm on vacation for 20 weeks out of the year. So it sounds like you're a pretty good golfer then, huh? <laughs> I do okay, man. I'm really proud of my golf game, but my 18-year-old son is now better than me, and it totally of sucks. Of course, <laughs> right? I mean, it's always happens. I feel though. sorry for me, but he's a plus one, and he's kicking my tail, but I'm a six handicap. <laughs> Love it, man. That's awesome. And, and, you know, that's the power of building a life by design, right? There's ton of power in building an intentional life. And it's something I'm learning right now as, you know, I'm six years into being an entrepreneur. And so it's just kind of learning the balance of like showing up to the kids games, showing up to the kids practices. You know, I've made a big effort to show up to their practices because I realized that I had some resentment against my dad. I didn't know until I did, you know, deep sort of personal development work, but I didn't know I had this resentment, but it was like, I had this external validation thing. It's like, I wanted to perform, right? And so, because again, my dad was great. He came to all my games, all that kind of stuff, but he worked a lot, right? And I remember just kind of realizing that I had this sort of like, I needed to perform in these things because like, that's when he showed up. And so I'm like, I'm going to be intentional about being at their practices because I don't want them to feel like they have to perform at some different level when they're I'm always there. I mean, not always, but as much yeah. as I can, right? How old are your kids? I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old. <laughs> Dang, your hands are full. Yeah, All right. yeah that's wild. Well, and I, have a I mean, when kids were young, and think until they're probably, I don't know, 13 or 14. So before that, you know, they were playing sports. And when they would do a soccer move, dad, did you see that? You know, or when they would do right. a, you know, a football move, dad, did you see that? And and it was like, if dad's not around, you can't show dad that, you know, you get your physical accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when I realized like the life lessons that I can teach my boys when I'm actually around during practice, not just during the game. It's just teaching them the hard work. It's teaching them the responsibility of practicing. It's need to practice three to five times more than what you play. What'd you learn from this lesson? And if you're not around during the practice sessions for any of their sporting activities, you can't teach them those life lessons because all you're really teaching them is on the weekend when it's game time, did you perform well? Are you a winner or are you a loser? Right. I mean, what life lesson is that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, well, I got to perform. And if I don't perform, I'm a loser. I'm a, a failure. I'm this, whatever. Right. Yeah. And my dad came to my losing performance. Right. Love it. Yeah, of course. Of course. You know, ego plays into all that. You know, a bunch of things there. But I love it because, again, I mean, this is a big important factor in the entrepreneurship in, in general, but in the mortgage space, right? The hustle. And, you know, I was even talking to my buddy Skylar and just talking about how like a lot of in the mortgage space, like people think that the person at the top needs to be like actively producing. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, are you the one actively originating or does your team mostly do a lot of that? No, the, I mean, there's seven loan officers on my team. They're the ones actively producing. I will tell you though, I don't know if this is normal or not, but it's kind of honest. I really enjoy being in the trenches with my team and I still produce, but you know, my whole responsibility is like a 30 minute equation of the whole entire, you know, sure day process, but I still want to feel like I'm in the trenches. I still need to keep my finger on the pulse. I don't want to be an absent leader. Sure, I want to lead from the front, not lead from the back. So I'll still produce from time, but I mean, the loans that I produce might be only 20, 30% of like the whole team's production. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's smart too, because I'll take sales calls from time to time too. And I have a sales team, um, mostly again, because then you start to kind of get your finger on the polls to understand, okay, well, here's the fears in the market right now, especially right now in, in a market like this. I think it's super important for the leader to show up yeah. and be there at the front because I mean, an easy market's like, eh, whatever, you know, leads are falling from the sky in 2020 and 21, it was easy. Right. And then now the last 18, 19 months, whatever it's been, been wild. And so, you know, kind of fast forwarding to, you know, these last 10 years and even the last, I guess, couple of years, how have you led your team through this sort of tough patch to continue to, you know, produce at a high level? You know, most loan officers, and I don't know if you'll test this or not, but most loan officers are 50, 60% lower in production yep. this year 100%. than they were last year. Yeah, it's probably kind of where the number is coming in. Yep. We are only 15% lower than wow. we were previously. The biggest reason of that is that we're doing so much better than other loan officers, unfortunately. It's the academy that I teach as part of the book. Sure. So it's called the Six Lane Highway. And I break it down for like three chapters in the book also. And so the six lane highway is that most loan officers go to a realtor, they get a referral, they get a commission, they go back to the realtor, they get a referral, they get a commission. They're on this like this hamster wheel of, you know, this commission driving going to the realtor. They got a one lane highway. Right. So what I've learned how to do is that now 24% of my closings every single month for the last three and a half years has been 24% has come from my past clients, my database. Sure. Okay. Now I've got 28,000 households in my HomeBot, 28,000 households in my Jungo CRM, 28,000 households in my Sales Boomerang, 28,000 households in my Mortgage Coach. And we've created this ecosystem around it, which I'm more than happy to kind of bring up a little bit more. So now it's two-lane highway. So you got realtors and then you got your database. Sure. And the other four lanes of the highway for me of referral streams is I receive referrals from CPAs, financial okay. advisors, family will attorneys, and insurance. So an average month for us is we refer out 120 referrals a month, 120 wow. referrals a month that we refer out. We receive back on average 60 referrals a month that we're receiving back. So 60 referrals a month, we're usually able to qualify pre-approve about 50 of those 60 referrals. Okay. So out of those 50 of those 60 referrals, I take about 25, refer them back to my current realtors, rewarding them for their loyalty. And the additional 25, the other remaining 25, I give that to my loan officers to go refer those out to other realtors that they want to get in a relationship sure. with. So my loan officers walk into a realtor meeting that they're prospecting, not begging for a deal. They're giving out a pre-approved client. Yep. And that's the model that we've built to where the point where it's now like, you know, last year we did about 200 million as a team, 81 million of the 200 million came from CPA referrals, financial advisor referrals, family will attorney referrals, insurance agent referrals, and database. So we've been really blessed, you know, knock on wood to really go through the storm and not be hurt drastically. But, you know, we started really focusing on this back in like 2018, 2019. I was doing about $100 million in loans back then a year. And you realize I was 97% realtor business, 97% realtor business. And you realize that this wasn't a healthy business. It wasn't sustainable. It just wasn't fun. We had like 47 different realtors we're having to keep up with. And you got, you know, all these different happy hours and dinners and it was just wasn't enjoyable. Right. And it got to a point where it's like, I guess this is why $100 million is kind of the pinnacle of mortgage. Like the non-Everest of mortgage is $100 million in a year. But, you know, for us to learn how to think differently, and remember what I talked about doing it the best way it can be done. Building this six-lane highway is why I built the academy is to teach loan officers how to... Take one referral they get from a realtor, take that same referral that they get from a realtor, refer it out to a CPA, financial advisor, family will, attorney, insurance. 
receive two referrals back at minimum from them, refer one to their current realtors, turn around and refer the other one to a new realtor that they want to get in business with. And all they had to do is land one realtor, but understand the build the system after that, which is a six lane highway. That I explained that well? Man, that's fantastic. So from those 120, are you saying you have 120 leads that you generate that you're handing out? Or are you saying like, hey, you hand these out to, you know, let's say four each time. Is that part of that 120? Are you saying like 120 times four? 120 total on a monthly basis. It's not leads, it's referrals. So we do something called a mortgage yeah, efficiency right. checkup. So the database that we've that focused turned into data bank is a class I teach. So we close alone, just like everyone else. Sure. We do a seven day call after closing. We do a 30-day call after closing. We do a six-month call after closing. We do an annual mortgage review at the anniversary of a year. And year two and beyond every year is called a mortgage efficiency checkup. Okay. When you got 28,000 people in the household and you're doing three to four to five mortgage efficiency checkups a day over and over and over, you're able to pull out referrals. So from those mortgage efficiency checkups, we're pulling out about 120 referrals a month that we refer out to our CPAs, our financial advisors, our family will attorneys, and our insurance. Wow. From those 120 referrals that we refer out, warm email introduction referrals. So there is no, hey, call my CPA. It is, right. hey, Bob, meet Sally. She's a financial advisor at Northwest Mutual. Here are the top three reasons why I think Sally's absolutely amazing. Hey, Sally, meet Bob, the borrower. Bob is looking to invest in college or get life insurance, whatever the reason why I'm referring to her, Bob, broken down. Here's each one of y'all's phone numbers. Let me know how the relationship goes, and I'm here to help you, you and your family and friends. That's a warming email introduction. We do 120 of those a minimum a month going out. Last month was a stupid, crazy, awesome month. There was like 187 referrals that went out. December? You know, yeah, in December. You know, it's pretty great because now we're at seven loan officers on Team Wally. We got sure. Team Wally 2.0, not 1.0, but 2.0. And the 2.0 team is built on priority one is our database. Priority two is our wealth partners. Priority three in order is our realtors. Most loan offices, priority one is their realtors. Right, right. So it's been awesome to be able to grow that. But what's super cool about it now is that, you know, 2019, my database was 2,000 past clients. In 2020, this one year later, 2020, it was 11,000 past clients in my database. I did not close 9,000 loans in one year. However, went to my CPAs, my financial advisors, my family will attorneys, and I insurance and showed them the mortgage efficiency process and then showed them my home bot, showed them my mortgage coach. And I was able to adopt 9,000 people, their databases into mm -hmm. my mortgage coach, into my sales boomerang, in my home bot. And now over the last four years, that's grown to 28,000 households that I have in my home bot. 28,000 households I have on mortgage coach. So the ecosystem, then also on top of that, every single month, they get a video, a bomb bomb video with me and the CPA to that database, me and the financial advisor to that database, me and the family will attorney to that database, me and the insurance agent to that database every single month, 12 months in a row. The wow. insurance agent's talking about the new insurance changes. I'm talking about what's going on with interest rates. That's probably a 15 minute video each. We take that video, we chop it up in reels. We take those reels, we prospect to market to them on Facebook. So nice. they get that through private messenger. They get that also through targeted ads to directly okay. to them. So now I'm so hitting like, them through social. I'm hitting them through video email. I'm hitting them through the HomeBot digest that goes out to the monthly. Then we're also doing client appreciation parties once a year with those each one of those advisors. So now over time, their database becomes our database. 
So 187 referrals in December is a record, which is super cool. But then also on top of that, it's awesome to see like how that database is maturing. Man, Woo. guys, if you're wondering how to grow a business, you know, just go back and listen to what he just said over the last five <laughs> minutes, 10 minutes, because I mean, that's huge. It's all in the book. It's, it's all in the so book. So buy the book, 24-7 Mindset. It's available everywhere. Or yeah, it's even bought at Amazon. Apple Music has the audio book. You know, what you probably really want to do candidly is go to 247mindsetacademy.com. I've got like 60 free resources of video content, scripts, templates, manuals that I give out for free. So the listeners go to www.247mindsetacademy.com. And just click on the free resources. You'll literally see more resources that you know what to do with there. That's completely free at your fingertips. That's phenomenal. One of the concepts that obviously, you know, the premise of the show is helping loan officers flip the status one real estate agents. And one of the ways we talk about that is figuring out a way to go direct to consumer and generate your own leads. Or in your case, you don't necessarily have to go direct to consumer, but you got to go to a source that's going to give you leads that you can give back to realtors. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, a lot of people are down 50, 60%. And the majority of them are down because in 2020, 21, or even before that, to have 10 realtors as a single producing loan officer probably fed you pretty well. Unfortunately, realtors are also down 40, 50, 60%, if not more. And all of a sudden, you don't need 10, you need 20 or 30. And yep. most of these people built these relationships over a 20-year career, whatever, and never created processes and systems to get more of them. And so now all of a sudden, they're just sitting on their hands for 18 months, hoping that the market's going to turn and the referral partners are going to start giving them deals back. I personally would never want to be dependent on anybody else to give me business, like from one source, like you talked about, like I never would want that, at least for myself. I mean, we run mostly ads, but you know, at least that's still dependent on me, not on someone else to give me a deal. Like yeah. I know people love to say I'm referral only, but it's like, cool. Like if you're referral only, you still have to have a systematic process to generate prospects, right? Which is ultimately what you guys are doing is you're systematically going after six different groups of people that can all give you business. And to me, like I always tell all the loan officers we work with, giving a pre-approval is like the best form of value you can provide. That being said, you still have to be a good loan officer. You can't bring them business, but then suck at closing the deal. Yeah. So I'm sure like, you know, part of that, you've created processes and systems around creating a good experience. You know, you said you have wealth partners, wealth partners, you're talking about CPAs, you know, financial planners, things like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, operations and the process of closing the loan, it's something we take for granted. Yeah. But if you don't have the operations and systems to close the loan early and your CD's late and you're missing closing and no, the wire didn't go out and the docs aren't out of title, dude, it doesn't matter if you've referred them 10,000 referrals that month, right. you're getting fired. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Well, another thing too is the communication is like, I think so many times people think that they're over communicating and clearly they're not based off the fact that, you know, you guys are bombarding them through four different CRM platforms. In addition to targeting them on ads, in addition to like, you guys are completely bombarding them and these are after they close. What's that? Cause most people like they'll call lead once, they'll call lead twice, they'll call a prospect once or twice again. And they're like, oh, these people aren't serious, but you're clearly well, just nurturing these relationships look, over time. Look at what you just talked about though, right? So in my book, there's three types of leverage. Sure. Human leverage, systems leverage, technology leverage. Okay. So human leverage is what you just said. A human picking up a phone and dialing. Right. Systems leverage is having best practices around what step is to what step and to what step. Technology leverage is what we really focus on masterfully, which is if this, then that. Sure. If this, then that. So our technology, look at what I said. The HomeBot Digest, that's technology going out. I don't have to lift a finger. Right. The video going out through BombBomb, 
my involvement in that is a 15 minute recording with a CPA. Everything else is handled through technology, automations, everything across the board. The same 15 minute video that I made. So it took me as a human 15 minutes. That same 15 minute video, my editor chops it up in reels, takes those reels and markets them as ads to that specific target audience on Facebook and Instagram and also on LinkedIn. Like my total involvement is only 15 minutes as a human, but I've leveraged the systems and I've leveraged the technology to make it look like I've done 10 hours worth of work just trying sure. to get access to that client. Well, and for anybody who's listening to this that doesn't have the funds to hire a full-time editor, luckily we're in an age of AI and there are a lot of good tools that will allow you as a loan officer that doesn't have a bunch of funds to edit videos very easily compared to what you would have been able to do a couple of years ago even. Right. I mean, there's stuff like Opus Pro, there's Descript that's a more longer form that allows you to edit. It's almost like a Google Doc or like a Word doc that you just edit out words, it'll literally fix it for you. So you don't necessarily have to have a full-time editor like Wally's talking about, but using that leverage, creating long form podcasts, you can get tons and tons and tons of content out of that as well. So man, this is freaking fantastic. Real quick, I wanted to touch. I know you're big on mindset. You have a big sign for anybody who's not watching this in video. There's a big sign right behind you that says mindset. Obviously, your book is 24-7 mindset. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what do you think is the importance of mindset? Clearly you think it's important, but tell me a little bit about that. How do you teach mindset or how do you sort of share that sort of mindset, the idea of mindset and how important that is in really everyday life? Yeah, I mean, it's three quotes that really changed me. The first one was, I am not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. And when you chew on that for a minute, you really understand the subconscious of yourself is more powerful than your conscious. Yeah. And the identity that you have of yourself is how you're going to perform. So if I can reshape the identity that I have of myself, I can perform extremely well in any situation you put me into. Number one. Number two was a mindset quote by Rockefeller. The last two are by Rockefeller. He said, I'd rather earn 1% off 100 people's efforts versus 100% off my own efforts. And the first time I read that, I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. I'm like, why? There's no way. And you sit down, you map it out, and I journaled about it. And there's just so much more now that when I was a solo loan officer working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, closing 36 million, versus now working 24 hours a week, seven months a year, doing 200 million, it is leverage, the human leverage component of it. And then the last Rockefeller quote talked about mindset, which is also in the book, that if you work all day, you have no time to make money. And when you think about that, if you work in your business all day, doing loans all day, you have no time to work on how to build your business, right. to work on your business. And those three quotes and those three mindset shifts is where 24-7 mindset came from. Man, that's huge. Interestingly enough, before getting into entrepreneurship, I liked to be good. I like to grow, things like that. But, you know, personal development, come from a Christian background, you know, born missionary kid, all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, some of that stuff can sometimes be talked down on by, you know, the Christian church. Is, you know, I used to think that Tony Robbins is a snake oil salesman, all kind of stuff, right? Until... I started a business and realized that for anybody who's listening, starting a business is probably the best personal development thing you could ever do. Also, <laughs> it's really hard, but like, there's nothing you can do. Like you have to get better. Like if you want to do business, you have to improve. Like you can't just coast. You have to continue or you're going to fail. And so five, six years ago, that shift. And I remember even buying a course. We bought like a sales course and the whole entire first module was all around mindset, morning routines, 
affirmations, you know, physical health, like all that kind of stuff that like really leans into that. And I was like, what the heck is all this crap? And now over the last, you know, six years, I'm like, oh, all right, this is how important the mindset is, you know, showing up every single day. And so what are the habits that you have implemented to keep yourself sharp? And with that, you know, I mean, especially in the last 18 months, right? Like it's been pretty hard to keep a positive mindset. What are the habits or strategies that you implement to keep your mindset at a good level? Yeah, I mean, I think what you just said is a morning routine. So here's kind of my world before I even come into work. So I'm up by 4 Mm a.m. I read from 4 to 4.45. When I'm reading, I'm ADHD, I'm dyslexic, and I have dysgraphia. So when I read, I'm following my finger with a book, and I'm listening to the audio book, and it's helping me digest. If not, the brain just goes elsewhere, and I'm just like, la, la, land. So from 4 to 4.45, reading... From 4.45 to 5, I'm saying my affirmations every morning. So my affirmations are, Wally, what is the point of dreaming big if you're not brave enough to live big? What is the point of dreaming big if you're not brave enough to live big? And I don't know how everybody else is, but sometimes I get scared and I become a coward and I don't take a swing. That reminds me of you got to go grab life big, man. Like grow a pair, get out there and just put yourself out there. So that's number one affirmation. Number two affirmation while I'm driving to the gym is, Rome wasn't built in a day, Wally. However, it was built day after day after day after day. Keep building. Mm. And, you know, the toughest thing as an entrepreneur, and I own six other businesses and 10 apartment complexes on top of mortgage. And when you're putting so much effort, time and energy in something, you're not seeing the results. So many people quit. Right. And, you know, it's just, Rome wasn't built in a day, man. However, it was built day after day after day after day. Keep building. And then the third affirmation I say is, My questions are piercing. My answers are motivating. My presence is commanding. My success is untouchable. Those four mindset shifts that put me in the position that that I believe in myself and I don't need anybody else to believe in me for me to believe in myself. And my questions are piercing. That helps me be a better listener than speaking more. Sure. If I have the maturity and the self-discipline to be a better listener, then my answers become motivating because I've really kind of deep core what the emotions behind someone else's words are, not just the words that they say. And when you get somebody to where you the emotionally connect, you've got their heart. Agreed. That's when presence becomes commanding. With my presence being commanding, I'm emotionally connected with you and you're engaged with me and I've slowed it down enough that I care. And then lastly, which makes my success untouchable. Those are three morning affirmations. I'm in the gym from a trainer from 5 to 5.45, 5 6 o'clock at the latest. Then I go do cryo from, say, from 6 to 6.15. I'm a big golfer, so I've got a hitting bay upstairs of the house. I'll go upstairs, putt or chip or hit, you know, practice golf. Get the office by 7.30, 7.45 every morning. So I've fed myself mentally. I've fed myself spiritually. I've fed myself physically. And I've broken a sweat. Then I've recovered. And I've also done something fun, which is golf for me. Those six things before I even get to work. Man. I love it. That's huge. And interestingly enough, I'm not a big gym lover, but I have been going pretty consistently to the gym for the last, I don't know, three, four years. And I find that the reason I became so consistent with going to the gym was because I realized how much of an impact it had in my mental health. That's what got me the most consistent was realizing and learning and ultimately shifting the identity. It's like, I hate going to the gym. Be like, if I don't go to the gym, my mindset's going to be bad. I know people talk about, oh, I want to be with so much more energy. I'm like, I get up at 4.45 and I get to the gym by, you know, 5.30, right? The latest after doing my stuff as well. And I just learned that like we had a baby, you know, whatever, 10 months ago. And I didn't go to the gym for probably two, three weeks because of the baby, right? And I just felt it in that short amount of time. 
not doing a morning routine, not doing breath work, not listening to something positive, not doing the stuff that I normally do in the morning caused a big, big shift in my energy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as an entrepreneur in a hard time, like you have to be grounded in something like that. And so I love the fact that you have that. Another interesting concept, I don't know what you think about this, but another interesting concept that I learned from a mindset coach was the concept that the morning routine doesn't have to be anything. It gets to be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing that shifted for me as well is like, you know, I've gone through all these programs like, oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. I'm like, I have to read. I have to do this. I have to journal. I have. Yeah. And guess what? It wasn't consistent with it because I was like thinking that I had to do all these things until I shifted into like, I get to do this. I want to do this. That's when I became consistent as well in terms of a lot of that stuff. So that's huge. I love also, you know, your affirmations. That's something that I haven't been consistent about is affirmations. The way you framed it too, it's not the type of affirmations that you typically hear like, oh, I am powerful. I am strong. I am rich. Like that always like felt really phony and weird to me. And so I just love the way that you didn't feel like they were affirmations, but more like just kind of questions and like, here's the perspective that I want to see life through. So to well, me, that was a huge shift in affirmations. Because again, I was honest with myself. I analyzed where my biggest, weakest area of my either sales skills or self-confidence or entrepreneurship or maturity or accounting or relationship building. I analyze where I'm the weakest part of my world. And like I said in the beginning, the subconscious is more powerful than the conscious. Right. Once I was able to sell my subconscious of having this identity of myself, my conscious started performing right. that identity. It's just you've got to change the perception of who your identity is to be able to perform in those situations. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Towards the beginning of my entrepreneur career, I was recommended the book Psycho-Cybernetics. And that book changed a lot for me in terms of that sort of concept of visualizing and, you know, setting goals and having that type of stuff. Because ultimately it talks about, you know, I don't know if you've read that book, but, you know, the guy was a plastic surgeon, right? It was Maxwell Maltz back in, I don't know when it was, 40s, 50s, 60s, somewhere around there. And he started to sort of experiment a little bit with some of his subjects, the people that were you know, wanting to do plastic surgery. And he said, hey, you know what? Go home for two weeks and just say this affirmation or say this you know, yeah. you know, just kind of say this to yourself for the next two weeks and see how you feel when you come back. Because what he learned was so many people came in saying, I need to get my nose fixed. They get their nose fixed and they come out and they still don't like the way their nose looks yeah. because it's not an external problem. It's an internal problem. And so he started to kind of do this and experimented with, you know, I guess I don't kind of experimented with these people and learned like how much of a drastic change there was. Some of these people didn't even end up getting surgery because of the impact of you know affirmations and changing the way that they viewed themselves. And to me, that was a big, massive, eye-opening thing for myself. And I know a lot of people have read that book and think it's great as well, but man, that was a big shift for me. And so I love that you do yeah. this. I like to touch on something like pretty tangible that anybody can really pick up and do. So if there's one thing that you think a loan officer could do today in this market, to go out and get business, like what would you suggest? Or even if let's just say you're getting started again, you don't have your team, you're kind of getting started. Like what would you go out there to do today to try to get business as quickly as possible? Um, the easiest, quickest way to get business is go to people that love, like, and trust you, meaning your past clients. Sure. You know, one of the biggest challenges that I, when I'm coaching a loan officer and they say, hey, you know, I haven't talked to my database since closing. Okay. So let's put our big boy pants on, big girl pants on. What should we do when we know we've done something wrong? Pick up the dang phone and apologize. Yes. Hey, I'm really sorry. I closed your loan three and a half years ago and I haven't talked to you since. How has everything been performing on the mortgage? 10 out of 10 times is some BS answer. Good. Okay. Awesome. So what I wanted to let you know is our county here is Collin County. So the okay. Collin County CAD website 
it looks like you haven't filed homestead exemption. I went and got the four for you. If you file homestead exemption on your house, you get a discount on your taxes that helps bring down your monthly payment. What did that cost you? Nothing, right? You gave. Then right. you say, I've also researched the top five companies in town that help you dispute your home taxes. If they help you dispute your home taxes, your monthly payment will also come down. May I please send you over that referral? What is someone going to do? No, don't send me that referral. I want to pay higher in taxes. Like, right. hello, right? <laughs> and you know, if you close that loan and they've got monthly mortgage insurance, hey, I closed your loan three and a half years ago. We had monthly mortgage insurance on there, but it looks like now you've got that 20% equity in your house. Would you like me to jump on a call with you and your servicing department to help you get that monthly mortgage insurance removed off there without having to refinance? The more value that you add to your database after closing, the more valuable you become. And when you're adding this value to them, then you're bringing up to them and say, hey, listen, I've structured your mortgage the most efficient way possible. However, I just put you a half a million dollars in debt. So who's helping you grow your wealth, not just manage your debt? Right. Who's helping you grow your wealth? Well, that's going to be your financial advisor. That's going to be your wealth manager. And if they come back and they say, yeah, I've got a great one. Awesome. One to 10, what would you rate your financial advisor? A 10, an 11, a nine, whatever. Like, oh my God, I help five families a year, 500 families a year, whatever you want to say. I help X, Y, and Z families a year. Can you refer me to your financial advisor so I can refer my clients to your financial advisor? Now you just got another referral source right off the bat, right? Yep. How much does that cost you? Nothing. You just grew a pair and apologized to your past client and added value. If they turn around and say, yeah, my financial advisor is a three out of a 10 or a seven out of 10. Oh my God. Like I just put you a half a million dollars in mortgage debt. With that being said, if you don't have a really rock star financial advisor, they're never going to be able to help you grow the game of wealth to grow your wealth over time, generational wealth. And I talk a little bit more about that, life insurance, so on and so on. Or, you know, if they've got a great financial advisor and they're talking about, okay, well, hold on a second. So you bought a $700,000 house. We did a $500,000 mortgage. That means you've got $200,000 equity in the house. Is that right? Yes. So do you have a family will? Do you have a trust to protect that other $200,000 in net worth your home has? Or God forbid, if something happened to you, that's going to go to probate. Boom. I got a referral for a family will attorney, right? You know, helping them reshop around their home insurance. Boom. You got a referral for an insurance agent, or if they've got a great insurance agent, you can get a referral. On every call that we have with our past client, when we do a mortgage efficiency checkup, there's 10 opportunities of business. 10, T-E-N, 10. You can get or give a financial advisor referral. You can get or give a CPA referral. You can get or give a family will attorney referral. You can get or give an insurance agent referral, and you can get a referral to their family and their friends. You know, to me, I've got 10 opportunities, man. Let's just say I'm the worst converter in history. And I walk away with two to three referrals that I can refer out, referral partners I can get. Like that's the mindset you got to have on every single one of these calls. You're just not going through the motions. You've got a purpose. You're a mortgage multiplier of business, not just a mortgage addition of business. Man. Y'all, this has been fire. So, you know, for anybody who's listening to this, listen to this a couple of times because I feel like this whole thing has been, you know, just a bunch of value bombs. Obviously, there's the book. Uh, there's a lot of uh, cool things you can do there. But yeah, ultimately, that'd be a simple thing. And let's say if you're just starting, you could ultimately do the same thing with, uh, you know, maybe just your sphere of influence, people that you know. You know, one of my coaching clients name is Matt. So if you want to follow me, go to 24-7 Mindset on Facebook. There's a private Facebook group. There's like 2,000 loan officers in there. I provide content in there on a daily basis, not a weekly basis, but I provide tips and tricks on a daily basis mm. for loan officers for free, completely free. 
So one of the videos that I did, his name is Matt. This dude was a call center loan officer for 10 years. He changed, he went from a call center loan officer to a retail loan officer in October of this year. October okay. of this year. I'm sorry, October of 2023. Technically last year. That's, yeah, yeah, October Five days in, it's okay. I'll, Five I'll, days I'll, in. I'll October 23. So between October 23 and now is what? Two and a half, three months? Yeah. So I taught him how to do annual mortgage reviews because he had no database at all, right? Right, right. I taught him how to do mortgage efficiency checkups to his realtor's databases. So he would go to a realtor and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Realtor, talk to me about your past clients. How often do you stay in a relationship with them? How do you add value to them post-closing? Well, what if I called your past clients and scheduled for you an annual real estate review with your past clients? And then if I was able to schedule for myself, a annual mortgage review, or we call it a mortgage efficiency checkup for your past clients to help them reshop around their home insurance, dispute their taxes, remove monthly mortgage insurance, do any debt consolidation loans that they have. And if they're thinking about buying or selling a house, I'll refer them back to you. He got four realtors that allowed him to do that. He sent me a breakdown of his pipeline. He's closing four closings this month, and he closed three closings last month. And what, 90 days in of doing that model and that process. And that's what we teach in the academy. So again, there's a ton of free resources, 24-7mindsetacademy.com. Click on the free resources icon on the website. You'll see it. That was just another value bomb right there, man. I mean, come on, stop. You're going to burn this podcast out. This recording is going to make it. Well, I just want to make sure if we wrap up, we wrap up strong. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. And interestingly enough, I mean, yeah, I find that the consumer direct guys are much better salespeople than the typical sort of uh, referral only guys, but they struggle. They struggle mightily to have those conversations with referral partners because they've never had to do that. They just pound yeah. the phones, you know, every single day, talk to you know hundreds of people. So they're great on the phones. But for whatever reason, it's like they have the realtor up there on this pedestal and it's like so hard for them to talk to to real estate agents. I love that. That I mean, that's a huge value yeah. add for anybody who's consumer direct or really anybody, obviously, but you know, especially for those guys that feel like, I don't know what to say to them, like bring them value. And we talk about value all the time. You've dropped, you know, five, six, seven ways that you can bring value to both consumers, referral partners, realtors. I mean, all the different you know ones that you talked about. So that is well, phenomenal. I mean, I value you, I value your show. And I just wanted to show appreciation for you having me on and yeah, thank you so much for your time today, Wally. It's been fantastic. For me, my biggest takeaways, well, I mean, I don't know. The whole thing was a bunch of takeaways, <laughs> but really it comes down to creating a business with intention, right? You have to create a business with intention and process first, right? I mean, ultimately you grinded for 15 years. 36 million is good production as a single person, but it's a grind. And so, yeah, that, that's huge. But creating systems and then mindset, those are the big things there. So, you know, you've already mentioned some of your resources, but if you wanted to say one more time, what are several ways loan officers can learn more about you, your program? I know you have the Facebook group. If you want to sort of just give us a rundown of all the resources. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say step one, go to the website. I mean, I want you to implement. So if you go to the website, you go to 24-7mindsetacademy.com. Look in the top bar. There's the icon for the free resources, click on the free resources, download everything, anything that you can. The book, you can find the book on Amazon. It's like I said, it was bestseller on Amazon, bestseller on um, Barnes & Noble, bestseller on Wall Street Journal. Then if you go to Facebook, you go to the private Facebook group, just look up 24-7 Mindset. And private Facebook group, like I literally every single day, daily, I'm dropping nuggets, I'm dropping videos, I'm dropping scripts in there completely free. If you see value in it and you want to join the Six Lane Highway Academy, I'd love to have you a student in my world.
Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. And for anybody who's listening, if you are looking for some help on flipping the status quo with real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for your time today, Wally. And thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. 